You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome to American Sex, the award-winning podcast dedicated to challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals that we have in the U.S. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg. We're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and ridiculous, sadistic kinksters. We're also non-monogamously married to each other. So strap in or strap one on. In this house, your pleasure is power. Your kink is customizable. And your subversive perversions are revolutionary. Hey, American fuckers. Welcome back. This is episode 182 of American Sex. I know. I'm, I'm really trying to get into the groove of using these fancy new sound effects. I think I did really well. So as you may know, your cute little nickname, American Fucker, it's a double entendre. Yeah, it means, yeah, schmexy time. But it's also about fucking up or subverting the systems in this country that keep us from accessing our own pleasure and our own power, both personally and collectively, right? So this week's topic fits right into that theme. It's a special episode, and I'm your guest. So what prompted it? Spotify. In a number of ways. Now, one, there was a tech mix up that had nothing to do with Neil Young or Joe Rogan, nothing. It caused us, American Sex, to lose a bunch of our subscribers on Spotify. And it coincided perfectly with the whole Joe Rogan thing. But this is a sex podcast, right? And here we talk a lot about what they call, quote, alternative sexuality and relationships like kink and ethical non-monogamy. So what the hell does that have to do with Spotify and Joe Rogan? Turns out a hell of a lot. Because this Rogan thing uncovered a much bigger picture. What happens when a company like Spotify accumulates that much control over the flow of information from average citizens? Could it end up trickling down to impact the world like what we saw happen with Facebook? And how does that affect your sexual freedom? So in this episode, which is actually a monologue because it's just me, I start out recapping Spotify's strategy over the last couple of years, how they went from a music platform with no podcasts to the number one podcasting platform out there, outpacing Apple even in just a few short years, and how they gained that foothold by exploiting podcasters. We also delve into some territory that's kind of opted on my part. Yes, it's it's my opinion, but um, I think it's really going to get you thinking. We talk about how Rogan factors into all this, but ultimately, he's still just another cog in the wheel of acquisition of one of the last least censored mediums out there, podcasting, and how the implications of that massive acquiring of power affect our sex lives, our freedom to live and love how we wish, and a bunch of bigger things too. 
Also, why it's important to keep an eye on who is accumulating this kind of power and to know exactly what they could do with it if it were abused. And how Spotify completely showing their entire ass over the last couple of weeks was a bit of a wake-up call. We got a glimpse of potential harmful storms that may be brewing under the surface and also how collectively we can change the course of those storms if we all band together. You know, boycotts don't always work. However, when we collectively work together and quickly towards one goal, we can make a difference. I mean, we saw it happen with uh, GameStop. We saw it happen with Spotify just now. Enough people acted and pulled their subscriptions and affected Spotify's stock price that they changed their tune real quick. But also, if we lose focus on what it's ultimately all about, or we keep the focus on, well, this is just about Joe Rogan, and we don't let companies know that we see a big picture, and we don't let them know that like we're not going to stand for some of this, then the worst may be yet to come. So there's a lot of unexpected twists and turns in this conversation. I tried to allude to some stuff without like giving stuff away. No spoilers. It goes deep down the rabbit hole. Spotify and Rogan have so much to do with your sexual freedom, y'all. Some of your minds might be just blown. This is going to be a wild ride. So real quick, before we get to that conversation, let's wash the balls, which is housekeeping here on American Sex. So first, mark your calendars for March 19th, 2022 for my no bullshit intro to kink. I'll be teaching it virtually on behalf of Sex Positive World. Now, this is not your typical BDSM 101. While yes, the class is a solid introduction to kink basics, it's also chock full of valuable tools and insights for kinksters of all experience levels. So in it, what to expect? I'll outline frameworks for custom building kinky experiences that fit your specific needs, your specific desires. I'll help you bypass the bullshit by debunking myths and one true wayisms and misleading stereotypes that are common in kinky circles. In addition to getting an overview of BDSM basics, you'll get tips for playing with intention uh, and in ways that empower. We'll also explore practical strategies for consent and ethics, healthy communication, identifying your interests and your limits, creative scene building, partner negotiation, cultivating playfulness and fun, safety, navigating community, finding accurate educational resources, that's a hard one, and a whole lot more. Plus, you know, it's going to be a good time. We're going to laugh our asses off. It's mm, it's going to be good. Again, it's virtual. However, Zoom rooms can fill up and I have sold out virtual classes. Not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm tooting my own horn. So if you don't want to miss this, be sure you get your tickets early. I'm going to have the link to that class in our show notes, which is the episode description, plus a link to a bunch of other things, our Discord community, our Patreon, our sponsors, uh, discount and coupon codes for sex toys and BDSM gear and a bunch of other stuff, plus lots of links pertaining to today's topic. So be sure to check those out. As I said, go to the episode description and whatever podcast player you're listening to now, I hope it's not Spotify. Or you can go to americansexpodcast.com and look up episode 182. One last thing, the Earn It Act. 
if you haven't heard of the Earn It Act, you got to listen up. This week, it uh, you know passed the Senate Judiciary Committee, and it is it is moving on. It is still alive, and it is not good. In a nutshell, Earn It will make. SESTA-FOSTA look like a walk in the park. If you're not familiar with SESTA-FOSTA, I will put the episode we did on it in the show notes. I believe it's episode 136. And also some of our past censorship episodes that pertain to Earn It and this whole episode, and you may find them helpful. Earn It will basically end internet privacy as we know it. No more end-to-end encryption. Uh, It will force platforms to monitor what's in our DMs, what's in our cloud storage, pretty much everywhere, and report anything illegal or potentially illegal to authorities or face consequences. Now, this bill has been developed under the guise of protecting children. They're supposed to be looking for underage material. However, just like we saw with SESTA-FOSTA, which was supposed to prevent sex trafficking, SESTA-FOSTA has actually made it more difficult for law enforcement to apprehend traffickers, and it has forced platforms to restrict consensual, adult, spicy activity from online, you know, like OnlyFans type of stuff to your thirst traps, flirting with someone in your DMs, right? Social media, where everyone's like, oh, it's so restrictive now. I keep getting my shit taken down on Instagram. You have SESTA-FOSTA to thank for that. Now, of course, we are all for protecting children. That should be our number one priority. But the thing is, earn it will do anything but. That's not really what it was designed to do. It's kind of sneaky, you know? So I'm going to have a link in the show notes to write your state representatives and let them know how you feel about the Earn It Act. Uh, And it's a link to ResistBot. I just started using ResistBot and it's kind of awesome. What it does is it writes your senators and Congress people, et cetera, via text. You just fill out the stuff on your phone and boom, and there's like a pre-done letter it sends off or you can modify the letter to whatever you want. And then you will get a response via email that, yes, we received your thing. Thank you. Da, 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 da. It's pretty cool. There are also lots of anti-trans bills that are floating around right now in different states. The don't say gay bill in Florida and a bunch of bills restricting what will be allowed to be said, taught, et cetera, in schools. So it's really important. Check out ResistBot. I know other bills are on there and you can really utilize that tool to talk to your legislators and let them know how they feel. So lastly, real quick, if you love American sex, which of course you do, right? Please subscribe and leave us a review. That's it. Okay, American fuckers, these balls are clean. Yeah, that's my clean ball sound effect from here on out. Get used to it. Also get ready for this twisty turny ride from Joe Rogansville to restrict all of our sexual freedoms town? I, I don't know. It works for me. Anyway, buckle in. All right, American fuckers, this is going to be a kind of wild ride with lots of twists and turns. So uh, sit back. Where I'm going to start this is with a tech problem that we had with our podcast over this last week. 
and it was specifically with our podcast RSS feed. So what an RSS feed is, it stands for, there's different definitions like real-time site syndication or really simple syndication. And basically, it's a bunch of code generated from the host that hosts our podcast that tells all the different podcast players that we syndicate our show out to what updates we've made, when we've added new episodes, etc. So when something's updated, sites like Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or uh, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Pandora, etc., they instantly get those updates and additions. So you get to access our show anywhere on any platform and get the most updated information in real time. So that's what an RSS feed is. So there was something screwed up with it. I'm not going to get into it. But in fixing it, things had to be reset that caused us to lose a ton of American Sex Podcast subscribers, like thousands. And there's no way to really know the exact number, but that could have a potentially devastating effect on our income. And you know, if you know us, you know, we talk about we're struggling like most of y'all are. Shit's not good. It's a pandemic. So to put it lightly, when we found out we were going to lose this many subscribers, we were freaking the fuck out. So that's the first thing I'm going to ask you right now to check in whatever podcast player you're listening to, to make sure you're still subscribed to American Sex Podcast. And if you're not, please resubscribe if you find that you're one of those thousands that got booted. And if you were never subscribed, now is your chance to, you know, go ahead and rectify that. <laughs> but really, from what I can tell, I believe we lost the most subscribers on Spotify, um, although we lost subscribers on a bunch of different players. Uh, on Spotify, I think it was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about 3,000 subscribers. So even though we were like, oh my God, we were also like, wait a minute, this is kind of perfect timing because Spotify's been at the center of backlash for the last couple of weeks with this whole Joe Rogan thing. So Spotify listeners, I'm talking to you specifically, this is the perfect opportunity for you to resubscribe if you've been booted off or even if you haven't been on another platform. So in the show notes, I have links to some of the other popular platforms that we're on to make it easy, you know, Apple and Pandora and iHeart, all those places that I mentioned, and more. So there's been lots of talk on social media about Spotify and what's going on. And I've even had a number of threads and conversations talking about it. So real quick, needless to say, if you know us, you know that we are livid over the situation. You know, in our opinion, risking human lives is worth no amount of money, period. You know, and then on top of it, all of the N-word, you know, BS, uh, it's inexcusable. And if you missed the whole story, go to the show notes. I'll, I'll have a link with, with some of what's going on. But there's been a couple of questions that have come up. One is, why the hell do you care? Or isn't that censorship? Uh, do you want people to censor you too? Or the question that's come up is, well, since all of these other artists have been pulling from Spotify, you know, like Neil Young and India RE, and I just heard Graham Nash, there's been a few more. Why the hell is American Sex still on the platform? Why didn't you pull your show? 
And in those conversations and explaining our answers to those questions, I realized the can of worms that these questions open up. And while that can of worms, much of it is common knowledge to me, it's not common knowledge to the average person. You're not privy to what goes on necessarily behind the scenes when you're an indie podcast creator, what's going on on the business side of these things. And all of this stuff ties into what we talk a lot about here on the podcast. Yeah, censorship, uh, systemic oppression, but ultimately, it even trickles down to your enjoyment of sex and pleasure. So here we go. The car's warmed up. Buckle in. It is going to be a wild ride. Okay, so we'll start with some background, okay? And this is just, you know, full disclosure, uh, from my research on the internet, yeah, I looked at a number of reputable sources to make sure the numbers I was pulling were in the ballpark, but take it that they're in the ballpark. It could be slightly off. I could have pulled a number that just got updated yesterday, and I, I don't have... So, yeah, ballpark. But still, this ballpark information will give you an accurate picture of what's going on from just a general macro sense. So in my research, I reviewed some of what I thought I remembered and learned some new stuff. So Spotify opened up their platform to podcasters in October of 2018. And in just a few short years, they have overtaken Apple as the most listened to podcast platform, which is huge. Apple, formerly iTunes, has always been the gold standard for podcasting. It's what all of our behind the scenes stuff is based on. It's what podcast charts are based on. It was like Apple was the not the only game in town, but definitely the main game in town. Most of our listens came from Apple Podcasts and then just a smattering here and there from other players. So currently in 2022 or whatever the last, you know, numbers they published, 21 or whatever, there are 3.3 million podcasts now on Spotify. And I didn't realize a lot of y'all didn't know this. And I guess why would you, right? Indie podcasts like American Sex or like a lot of the, the smaller, you know, quote, smaller podcasts that you listen to that aren't backed by a big production studio or like NPR kind of stuff for you, know, Gimlet, that sort of thing. Uh, indie podcasts get zero money from Spotify. Nothing. Not even the measly like, I don't know, what is it like 0.5 of a cent or whatever the musicians get per stream of each song which still isn't a lot. I'm not, you know, we're, we're both getting the shaft here, but podcasters get nothing. In fact, it often costs us to be on Spotify and that's not directly, but that's because we need to pay for our hosting companies and we need to pay for production of the podcast and these, you know, little things here and there. But yeah, like we're shelling out money to put our podcasts up on Spotify, yada, yada. And I don't know, honestly, I don't know how this part of that behind the scenes business relationship works if Spotify simply benefits from hosting 
you know, these podcasts and, and working with the hosting companies to encourage that uh, the shows that they host get on Spotify, or if there's any money changing hands on this level? And if so, who's giving and who's getting the money? That I don't know. Tell me, tweet me, because I'm very curious. Um, but one of the things Spotify has been doing over this late 2018 to late 2021, when they o- went from no podcast to overtaking Apple, is they started buying up studios, so podcasting studios. And so that way, what happens is, all of the podcasts that that studio produces can now become Spotify exclusive podcasts, meaning you're not going to find it on Apple and iHeartRadio and Pandora and at whatever podcast player that you listen to. If you want to hear that podcast, you have to go to Spotify. And by doing that, Spotify has more listeners on their app for hours at a time. They can feed them ads, which makes them money. They can woo them into becoming paid monthly subscribers and all sorts of other things. It's just good to have more people spending lots of time on your platform, right? So in the last two years, Spotify has spent almost a billion dollars investing in their podcasting foothold, okay? Again, zero of that is going to almost all of the shows. When I say show, I'm just talking podcasts that the platform has built itself on and really overtaken as the industry leader in just a few short years. And the exception to that is paying people like Joe Rogan or Brene Brown, uh, Kim Kardashian, Dax Shepard, Michelle Obama, Amy Schumer, uh, the Gimlet Media shows, that sort of thing paying them large amounts of money while everyday indie podcasters get nothing aside from, you know, flashy emails, wooing them to add their shows to Spotify and saying how lucky that they'd be as these small podcasters for the exposure or the the, the clout, the fancy lookingness of having their podcast on Spotify. I'm going to go back to October 2018 when, uh, you know, everybody's hosting company, whoever hosts their podcast was like, oh, hey, Spotify is doing a podcasting platform now. You can have your show on Spotify. It was like the talk of the town. Oh, my God. Oh, we can get our show on Spotify. This is so cool. Let me go like fill out the forms and, you know, do what I need to do. Hopefully they'll accept me. Like at first, they didn't accept everybody. And I, I now that I look back, this had to be by design because it made you feel more special. Like, oh, our show qualified. We qu- we're good enough to be on Spotify. Little did we know, X amount of months later, they just take whatever old podcast, like they don't care. Um, but we were those early people getting our shows pushed onto Spotify and they made us feel really special. Like this was an opportunity to have our show on this platform. Real quick, I want to clarify something. The point here is not to say, what dirty bastard, Spotify doesn't pay podcasters, because no podcasting platform pays 
the average podcaster. If you're a big name or you have some kind of deal with a production studio, that sort of thing, that's different. But your average like, hey, me and my friend want to start a podcast in our basement. You don't get any money for so many cents per stream, etc. So why am I harping on this? Why am I making a big deal out of it? Well, one, I was really surprised when I just started talking to average people not familiar with how the podcasting space works. They actually were surprised that we didn't get any money. They thought like Spotify uh, musicians who got a insulting amount per download that we got something. So no, we don't. And again, not complaining about that. That's standard practice when it comes to podcasts. But the other reason that I'm pointing this out is because the way Spotify went about courting their podcasters and making a big deal out of their platform and getting us all on at the time seemed like, oh, cool, look, we're on Spotify. That's great. And now looking back, oh, I can see it. This was all, that hype was all part of the plan to make Spotify not only seem like something special, but being accepted to seem scarce, that you were lucky if you did, to make sure that they got as many podcasters as they could on the platform as fast as possible. So it wasn't the fact that it happened. And that it happened without paying podcasters, because all that's pretty standard. It was how it happened that was a little odd. And now looking back, knowing what we know now, it was very indicative of a new way of doing things, a slightly different motivation than companies that had come before. And at the end of the day, is that something sinister? I mean, every business is trying to be as successful as they can. They're trying to innovate, to change the market, et cetera. But when one company amasses that much control that quickly, and when they're kind of assholes about it, I mean, we've seen this a lot lately with companies, Amazon, but what I'm really thinking of is Facebook almost single-handedly destroying democracy. Like, huh, we kind of want to keep an eye on that stuff, you know? especially since Spotify is in the information business, like Facebook, especially at a time like now when our political climate has reached peak shit show, trash fire, civil war, late stage capitalism, dystopian hellscape. That's a lot of power that can be misused or abused. But back to the whole Spotify Joe Rogan thing. So now, think about it, spending their $100 million on Joe Rogan and millions of how many ever, you know, millions of dollars they're spending on all of these other podcasts and hosts for exclusivity is a really smart business investment for Spotify. You know, soon when they completely dominate the market, which they've overtaken Apple, so they are well on their way, and squash out pretty much all of their competition, they won't need to shell out so much money for talent. You know, if all goes as planned, they will be to audio content what Amazon has become to online shopping and being an online seller, you know, because there's plenty of independent people that sell on Amazon, right? They're going to be the only game in town. And that's what they've set out to do. That's their business plan. And Rogan is just another, you know, granted very much higher up, 
cog in the exploitation food chain. Ultimately, Spotify is using him to acquire power and more of the listening landscape, and then they're not going to need him anymore. You know, it's audio imperialism, pretty much. So in 2018, as an independent podcaster, our listenership from Spotify was nothing, nothing. But now in 2022, it is significant. Pretty much about half of our listening audience comes from Spotify listeners. And for independent shows like American Sex, Ken and Myself, and a lot of others, the vast majority that are on Spotify, that's important because the shows that do monetize, they earn their revenue from advertisers that are paying them according to how many downloads they have. And and I'll get into, I'll explain in a minute exactly how that works. But in essence, Spotify has made our own exploitation valuable to us. You know, the fact that we have to put food on our table keeps Spotify not only afloat, but absolutely ridiculously thriving priming them to take over the market. So really let that sink in. What Spotify did from October 2018 to now, and very carefully planned, they don't just like, oh, I don't know, let's see how it turns out. Oh my God, look, we got, no, this is calculated, right? that's, That's how business works. Spotify groomed indie podcasters to financially rely on their own financial exploitation. I'm going to say that one more time because like that is the crux of what the fuck is going on here. Spotify groomed indie podcasters to financially rely on their own financial exploitation. That's a real mind fuck, isn't it? it? You know, it wasn't a coincidence. Again, like I said, that it happened to shake out this way. It was a calculated business plan. And before you get all up in arms and pissed off at Spotify, they're not the only ones. They're just the ones who are the most sloppy at it this week. (laughs) The ones that really stepped in it this week. Um, Companies do this all the time. You know, look at Amazon, look at pick a company. This is what they do, right? So Ultimately, this isn't just about Spotify. This isn't just about Joe Rogan. There is a much bigger picture to all of this. We'll get to that in a second. And we will tie it back in to sex and kink and sex ed and sexual freedom. We're getting there. We're getting there. Told you it was a wild ride. So with the Spotify uh, situation specifically, right, there's also the damage to the podcasting ecosystem that we need to consider, So podcasting is one of the last and least censored mediums. You've listened to my censorship episodes before. If you have not, I will put them in the show notes because I think that's pretty valuable information. Think of um, SESTA-FOSTA or if this new Earn It Act gets passed. Uh, The repealing of Section 230 internet protections, aside from what has to do with sex and sex trafficking that SESTA-FOSTA covered, this sex censorship or the modern internet digital version of this sex censorship uh, has been going on for a while. And then the the analog non-internet version has been going on for many, many, many decades. 
as a sex ed professional who does not do any X-rated content, who does not do anything meant to titillate or turn on, it is purely educational. Not that there's anything wrong with titillating. I, I love titillating media. But I can't advertise on any web platform that isn't exclusively pornographic, you know, like a Pornhub or whatever. I can't put up Facebook ads. I get my uh, whole account is suppressed on Instagram, uh, pretty much everywhere. And it's not just me, like the um, online site, the sex magazine Kinkly, I just saw got their Instagram removed. Again, they're not porn. They're a blog. They publish sex articles just like you'd see in Cosmo or Teen Vogue or Mel Magazine. Nothing dirty on there. You know, sex toy companies, uh, even menstrual product companies are subject to this kind of censorship. So that's a problem, right? We can't even have conversations like we have here on this podcast on any mainstream platform, you know, with the exception being some of those audio apps like Clubhouse, but they also fall into the same very general bucket as podcasts do like audio and voice content. But this is the exact reason why we started our podcast. We saw this kind of censorship of anything, sexual health, anything, you know, LGBTQ plus activism, you know, that sort of thing being censored, 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 and just every year clamping down more and more and more and more, YouTube shutting us down, all of these other places. Podcasting is one of the last places where you can broadcast digitally on the internet, you know, free speech, one of the last places for free speech. Put a pin in that free speech concept, we'll come back to it. And I know like, you know, the phrase free speech and, you know, freedom of speech, free speech has become a right wing dog whistle. And like every time I hear free speech, my eye twitches a little like, Argh. but there are some valid points in being able to speak freely. Maybe we won't use the phrase free speech because it is a little like um, platforms with minimal censorship. We'll call it we'll call it that. I'm a Gen Xer, right? So my analogy to podcasts is Podcasts are to this generation what underground zines were to my generation. Media-wise, in the 21st century, there is nothing more punk, rock, and subversive than podcasts and the free market ecosystem of the podcasting space. It honestly is one of the last online mediums that allows us to have uncensored, deep, conversations like we do about things that really matter. So how is Spotify and other companies with the same, you know, long-term vision of Spotify, basically, you know, media imperialism, threatening that? So Spotify, through creating these exclusive deals and forcing people to listen to what they love all on one platform, they're creating a closed loop. So if you're there for the podcast, you might, might as well get your music there too, right? You might as well get your paid subscription. Who knows what else they'll add in the future? What else is part of their expansion plan? News, video content, live audio chats like Clubhouse, um, you know, some yet to be popularized new medium that hasn't caught on yet. Maybe there's going to be a Spotify metaverse. I don't know. Actually, but uh, wait, I do know, 
I just found this out in November. Spotify entered an agreement to acquire Findaway, a global leader in digital audiobook distribution. So that's Spotify's next conquest. And from the press release, Findaway's technology and infrastructure will enable Spotify to quickly scale its audiobook catalog and innovate on the experience for consumers, simultaneously providing new avenues for publishers, authors, and independent creators to reach new audiences around the globe. And this acquisition positions Spotify to revolutionize the space in the same way as music and podcasts. So got all the the podcasting prepared. They're just going to leave it in the pan and let it simmer while they move on to conquering the audiobook space next. You know, that control, that overarching control has consequences way beyond what their current blatant exploitation of small or independent musicians and podcasters, etc. is. And real quick, if you're like, okay, you're the sex ed lady, what the hell? What the hell do you know about all this? So Sex ed is not my first love. So I have a BSc in marketing. I spent 17 years at a top ad agency, Leo Burnett Starcom, specializing in media. Uh, you know, a lot of new media it was like during the dawn of the internet and like, all, you know, new frontiers. And that was my first love. Also, the psychology behind how to grow new media is very much my thing. And in addition to Sex ed is also like I'm poly. It's not like, you know, one's my primary and what I love them both. And I love when I can mix them together and we can have, you know, a threesome or whatever. Um, so one of the questions I've been asked, and, and I guess we're getting to the first question, like, why the hell do you care? Like this whole episode is why the hell we care. Second question. And somebody asked me this on social media. And I was like, I am so glad you asked me this. And I'm, I'll have a link to these conversations. Quote, if you get zero money from Spotify, why do you keep your podcast available on their network, helping them take over the podcast ecosystem? And I was like, thank you for asking, because this is a great question. And what people really need to hear, what the behind the scenes is for the independent, struggling, you know, whether you're a musician, whether you're a podcaster, that sort of thing. So because our advertising inventory, our sponsors, you know, are sold on a CPM basis. So CPM stands for cost per mile, which is the cost per thousand listeners, right? And usually how that shakes out is the average cost per thousand listeners, which is CPM, for podcasts varies depending on the placement of the ad. Is it in the middle of the podcast? Is it at the beginning? The length of the ad, is it 60 seconds? Is it two minutes? Is it 15 seconds? That's going to dictate what the CPM is. But generally, mm, they might fall into like the 30 to $35 per thousand listener range right? And when I say per thousand listeners, that's thousand listeners or downloads in the first 30 days of that episode's life. So there's a, a, a time constraint on that. It's not forever. It's not one day. It's during the first 30 days of that episode's life. So like, let's just say, I'm just going to do quick math. If um, our podcast had 
4,000 listeners in the first 30 days per episode on average, and our CPM was $25, we would make $100 for that ad. And then the advertiser has a right to come back after that 30 days and say, show me your statistics that you really lived up to that 4,000 promised listens. And if you don't, you owe them a make good or another spot for free to make up for it. So that's how all of that works. And you see now why we're freaking out that we've lost so many subscribers, because oftentimes if that subscriber has like things set to auto download, that's a download right there. Just your subscription is a download. If they don't have it set to auto download, but they're regular listeners and that reminds them like, oh, new episode, I'm going to listen to it right away. And they're going to listen to it within that first 30 days. That's how we get paid. And so when we lose that, we're, we're losing our income. So Spotify in the last three years has acquired so much of the listener market that, like I said, about half of our ad income is based off of the impressions from Spotify alone, okay? So if we drop Spotify, we not only lose half of our income, and, you know, Ken and I are one household, and that's hard, you know, we're struggling to pay our bills, Right. My, my insurance right now is Medicaid. Like that's, that's the situation here in the Megatron household. And then I have online censorship that is banning me from advertising any of the classes I'm teaching, banning me from advertising, you know, whatever I have going on, my business, the ways I make money, I cannot do that. And sure, I can do it without advertising by posting it on social media, but then my social media stuff gets suppressed. So nobody sees it. You see like this vicious circle. And I'm not the only one. It is this way for every single sexuality educator, uh, sex therapist, sex coach, LGBTQ activist, even companies that sell menstrual products or sex toys, etc. And that that kind of suppression has huge, huge cultural and societal impacts. It, but I'm kind of going down a different road. So we're going to loop back to that. But I just want to throw that in there. It's not just me. It's all of us. Odds are you love receiving massages, but not everyone's great at giving these sensual experiences. So this Valentine's Day, unlock the art of massage by gifting yourself or your partner Beducated. Beducated is an online course platform with easy to follow video, audio, and written guides. They're like the Netflix of sexual wellness. They have an expert-backed library of courses from Tantra to kink and everywhere in between. They believe that sexual happiness is trainable and provide techniques and information that you need to level up your love life. Let me tell you about some of their courses. Perfect for Valentine's Day or any day. Their massage courses, you can choose from erotic massage, breast massage, sensual vulva massage, or sensual penis massage. There are self-love courses, female orgasm, tantra for one, or sexual confidence, and courses for couples or multiples, like sex experiments for couples, face sitting, kinky sex, lap dance, and more. 
With your Beducated subscription, you will have unlimited access to all of their online courses, which is over a hundred hours of video and audio content from world-renowned educators. And there's new content every week. So I got a hot tip for you. You can join Beducated for as little as $9.99 a month when you use our code SUNNY. S-U-N-N-Y. That's 65% off when you use our coupon code SUNNY at Beducated.com. That's B-E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D.com and use the code SUNNY. Oh, and that link is in our episode description. Guess what? It's finally time to start that podcast you've been thinking about. Go! Because I've got two free months of podcasting service for you with Libsyn. List your show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, get a dashboard full of critical show building stats. Plus, Libsyn even does video. Use the code SUNNY at Libsyn.com or follow the link in the show notes. Okay, so getting back to where I was, if half of my listens go away, that's less opportunity for us to be listened to, you know, by people who may hire me to teach. I teach, you know, doctors, therapists, uh, for sex shops, all sorts of things. I also risk losing other advertisers. So we use an ad placement network. And that's another thing, you know, when I was explaining CPM and how all the ads work. And let's say, you know, you have 4,000 listeners at $25 CPM, that's $100. But if you have someone else placing your spots for you and communicating with the advertisers for you, you might get 70% of that, 50% of that, you know, 50 to $70 on something that should be 100 because you have to pay whoever you're working with that places your ads, right? So when advertisers are considering working with you, our sponsors, like you'll hear in the middle of this episode, they often do it based on how many total listens a show has. They just won't place ads with smaller shows, with shows that don't satisfy a minimum number of downloads per episode, And so then that risks us not just losing that 50% of our audience share, but losing all of our sponsors because now we're not satisfying that minimum. Like that's super impactful. So if we were wealthy or had other revenue streams to take up that slack, Ken and I would drop Spotify in a heartbeat. We would take American sex off, but we live paycheck to paycheck. We are one disaster away from not affording rent like much of the American public. And we don't have the financial luxury to take a stand with our personal income. But what we can do is be completely transparent with the situation and with how things work behind the scenes. So people know how indie podcasters have been groomed to rely on their own exploitation to survive. Plus, as a means of encouraging listeners, which is you American fuckers, to switch off of Spotify. So indie podcasters or indie musicians don't need Spotify anymore. So here's uh, where we're going to loop back to my love of marketing, uh, psychology, of media, and of sex ed and where they intersect. These two subjects are closely related. 
people who don't know what I teach, they just hear, oh, you're a sex educator. They think I talk about like spanking and dicks and sex toys and clitorises and and that's it. That's all I talk about. And yes, I do talk about those things. But ultimately, if you're looking at the moral of the story, what I teach has more to do with self-awareness compassion, vulnerability, all of those things. I've actually been called the Brene Brown of kink, and I have never smiled bigger in my life. I was like, oh, my God, really? Uh." Um, But yeah, you know, and and these things that I teach are very cross-disciplinary. They're based in psychology, neuroscience, sociology or group psychology, even fun stuff like improv or gaming principles. And what I do is teach all of these principles to people, the soft skills, or what I like to call the strategy of sex, of relationships, of, of kink, and and of, of contributing positively to the culture, you know, uh, skills that help us move our society forward in a way that empowers both on an individual level. You know, my students are empowered and the partners that they're playing with are empowered, but also on a collective level. So the technical skills, you know, the spanking, the dicks, the whatever, they are merely a tool for exploring our own humanness. And those technical skills are not the point the humanness and all these other things is. And also the personal is political, whether you realize it or not. You know, your freedom to openly talk about or do these very personal things are very directly tied to the cultural and political climate of where you live. And we live in the United States and you can be a listener living anywhere. But, you know, we we look at all this stuff through the lens of the culture of the United States. And that's exactly why y'all listening, you American fuckers are that double entendre that sometimes American fucker is like, oh, you're American and you like to fuck. Okay, cool. And sometimes what that means is fucking stuff up, subverting the systems in the United States that keep us from accessing our own emotional or sexual or financial or societal or, or whatever, lots and lots of types of power. And these larger capitalist systems, you know, are designed to keep us exploiting ourselves, like willingly exploiting ourselves by keeping our show on Spotify. Yeah, we're willingly exploiting ourselves, but we have no choice because we have to pay our bills. And we do this, you know, not just with Spotify, like our whole everything is based on that. We all do this to ourselves. So those in power can just sit back and profit and watch us like all fuck our, each other over, right? It's the framework of our culture. It's like an elaborate pyramid scheme. It's everywhere. It's in everything. So Spotify exploiting creators, listeners, that's one. Bosses exploiting employees or, you know, landlords exploiting tenants. Etsy exploiting the crafters that list things on their site. Um, You know, us as everyday people exploiting the service workers who bring us food or cut our hair or do our nails, right? Well, if they're good, I'm not going to leave them a tip. But some of these relationships, too, are more equitable than others. We're not all assholes if we are in the position of exploiting other people, and kind of all of us are, right? We're all kind of tangled in the web. But think about it. When you rely on 
the person or the company who's exploiting you, whatever it is, right? To get your needs met. Usually that's financial needs, income, housing, those sorts of things. They've got you by the the soft, tender bits. They've got those things cradled in their hands. And even if they start out cradling them gently and being very nice and fair, at any moment, they can clamp down and squeeze as hard as they freaking can with their sharp ass fingernails without warning, right? And if you take any kind of stand against it, it puts you at a disadvantage. And the more grave that disadvantage is, like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent or I'm not going to be able to, to eat or buy my kids clothes or, or whatever, the, the bigger that disadvantage is to you, the more it jeopardizes your survival. So the less likely you are to be like, stop squeezing my balls, right? So hence, you see how all of this connects to uh, my sex ed and kink ed teaching philosophy, which is all of us through our learning and our self-awareness and our creativity can access personal power and collective power through play and pleasure. That's what I teach. You know, a tactic of the ruling class is to rob us, rob the people they exploit of their pleasure, their joy, their creativity, their sense of hope, their sense of happiness. Think about purity culture, the shame. I mean, everything is rooted in shame. We're ashamed about everything. Advertising creates things that we should be ashamed about that really don't matter. Shame is everywhere. And all of that keeps us controlled and distracted and too mired in our own internal struggles with that shame. And also too mired in trying to figure out how to win this impossible game, which we're set up to fail, like unless we're Jeff Bezos or, you know, the top guys at Spotify flying those corporate jets right? We're, we're, we're too caught up in that to see the bigger picture. I mean, shit, like I said, even Joe Rogan, he's a, he's a higher level cog in this uh, elaborate pyramid scheme, but he's still not at the top of the pyramid. So in kink, I often say that we pervert social norms and hierarchies for pleasure. And I'm specifically talking when we have any kind of dominant submissive power play, you know, and often when we're doing it, we're not thinking deep about, we're like, well, I'm going to do this political, or I'm going to grow and have, no, we don't do that. We do it for play, for recreation. That's what it feels like. We're not doing it for some grand therapeutic learning, blah, 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 blah. But the exploration of those extreme, like cartoon-like versions of these outrageous archetypes, right? And playing with that power give us really unique insights about uh, exploitation and oppression and levels of power and the, the various ways we can interact with them both in our personal lives and societally right? We're playing with them. We're looking at them from a completely different, oftentimes ridiculous, joyful angle. But we're gleaning some really, really insightful information that we don't even realize. I say that there is subversion in our perversion. And I honestly believe there is subversion in 
all of our perversions, whether we realize it or not. And we don't necessarily have to realize it. I regard a lot of kink as um, like a human operating systems update that downloads in the background. You know how like, you know, you're on your computer, let's say you're playing Skyrim or you're, you know, doing some work, you're in a Word document, whatever. And a, a thing pops up like, oh, hey, we, we need to do a systems update. You know, it's human, human OS 4.8 needs to install, but it's going to install silently in the background. So you can keep playing Skyrim, you can keep working on your Word document or whatever you're doing while your internal framework gets a silent, very unobtrusive upgrade. Oftentimes, that's what we're doing in kink. We don't realize all this bigger shit's at play. We're just having fun. We are playing. But (laughs) so yes, you can glean so many valuable insights and emotional skills through silly, ridiculous, sexy, whatever flavor you like, play and never realize it because it just feels fun. And guess what? That's why it's important to have these conversations. The conversations that we have right here, we may be, you know, having an episode on like, oh, playing with your own cum and being a doll in a role play and or urethral sounding and and stuff that just seems like sex stuff. But the underlying added benefit is we are helping contribute to the culture. We are helping people access their own pleasure, their sense of creativity and freedom and hope and happiness. And that rubs off in various other areas of our daytime default lives and makes us happier people so we can fight for the shit that is uh, fucking us up. We can fight to not be exploited. So let's loop back and really put this whole situation with Spotify and Joe Rogan in perspective and really zero in on, okay, by, you know, boycotting, which I agree, a lot of times boycotts, they're kind of performative and they don't work. Like boycotting is not the answer to everything. Um, but in this case, I think it it sends a message to not let Spotify just kind of rope us in like sheep <laughs> into the, you know, what is it like to the slaughter? Like happily, we don't know what's at. Like suddenly they're the Amazon of audio recording. Um, but ultimately, this whole situation is not about Joe Rogan. And it's not even about Spotify. And if we keep zeroing in on those things as the source of all our problems, things can really go off the rails. And I'll explain why. So in my opinion, this is less about Spotify and Rogan or the specific things he said or didn't say or censoring certain kinds of speech on an organized or predetermined level and more about other things. So I'm going to stress really quick, in my opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm stressing that. Am I preaching the word? No, I'm preaching my word. Of course. Do I think I'm right? Of course I do. Don't all humans think their opinion is right? Do I think I'm, you know, slightly better qualified than the average person to have a, uh, you know, really logic-based, totally makes sense opinion, um, you know, formulated 
based on important nuances of the situation because of my educational background or my experience in advertising and and new media and TV show production and psychology and sociology and blah, 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 blah. Again, of course I do, but I don't, is that really a fact? I don't know. But most of us think we have unique insight and know more about the things that we're talking about than the other people who are talking about it. So maybe I am just, this is a whole episode of my own bias. Who knows? But what I'm saying is, use this conversation, or I guess it's a monologue because nobody's here talking with me, <laughs> as a reason to do your own thinking on this. Like, use this as a, a thought a prompt, a starting point to develop your own opinions and make sure, you know, that you check your own biases, that you do your own research, et cetera, et cetera. I always tell people, question everything, question even the most obvious shit that seems like a given, but also at the same time, do your diligence to find unbiased, factual, logical answers to those questions that you're asking. So with that said, why? Why is this really not about Rogan or the specific things he said or, you know, censoring certain types of language across a platform, blah, 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 blah. That is how we slippery slope into censorship that will eventually hit marginalized groups the most. We've seen this happen time and time again. We're seeing it happen on social media, right? With with the censorship, trans creators, black creators, and other POC, um, you know, those who are calling attention to injustices or activists, people of size, et cetera. They are the ones getting shut down on social media. You know, uh, it's it's not good. It's not good, y'all. And it's also hitting legislation, too. The backlash that we've had recently against critical race theory or the banning of books. That's some pretty serious shit. There was the um, critical race theory bill in Wisconsin, Assembly Bill 411. And it got brought up, I think, in August, September or something like that of 2021. And just a few days ago, the governor of Wisconsin vetoed it. And I will give you a quick summary of some of the things that were being proposed to be banned in education across the whole state of Wisconsin. So terms and concepts that would have been banned in schools if this bill passed. Normativity, critical self-awareness and critical self-reflection. Oppressor versus oppressed. Unconscious bias. Systems of power and oppression. Racial supremacy. Marginalized, minoritized, or underrepresented communities. Intersectionality, diversity training, cultural awareness, structural bias, structural racism, systemic bias, systemic racism, equity, inclusivity education, multiculturalism, patriarchy. Now, that's just a taste. There's a long list. And I have a link. You can read the full list in the show notes. But yeah, that bill was vetoed by the governor, thankfully. But that's just one state and one governor. And there's a lot more. This is happening everywhere. This wasn't just a random nonsensical fluke that's, you know, they tried to pass this in Wisconsin and that, oh, nothing like that will ever be proposed again. 
this it looks like that's just the beginning. So rather than this whole Spotify situation being centered on what Rogan said or sh- you know should or should not be allowed to say or even centered on Spotify as a standalone company that's the bad guy. We need to think bigger. We can't lose sight of the fact that the point is that we're saying no, you know, and we're taking a stand against predatory business practices that are behind things like this to the fact that profits are blatantly being prioritized over ethics and yeah, this one instance involves Spotify and it involves Joe Rogan, but like it doesn't end there. This is just an example. And I, you know, many, most probably, almost probably all, I hate to do absolutes, so 99.9999% of companies are operating the same way. This is standard. And these companies, they do it all the time every day. They just didn't happen to do it as loudly and sloppily and, you know, disasteredly, if that's a word, as Spotify did. This is just one example that we can point to and sort of make the example. But this can't devolve into outright banning language or words etc. That kind of censorship. Remember that podcasting, you know, they're like the zines of the 2020s or the 20 teens or whatever we call now time period, because I have no idea. Podcasting is the last platform where we can have these conversations and we're not censored. And we can talk about things like on that list, normativity, critical self-awareness. And we can do it through a lens of like raunchy sex things, which is awesome. Ah, your sex life has fallen into the same old dull routine, hasn't it? Well, break those habits with a fun, sexy box from Like a Kitten. Like a Kitten will ship you a gift box with all of your erotic essentials, vibrators, massage oils, robes, handcuffs. Ah, it is your one-stop shop for a perfect evening. This month, they're helping you choose your own adventure with their BYOB box, aka it's the build your own box. You get to choose one item from six categories, toys, beauty products, lubes and cleansers, games, sexy accessories and lingerie. And you have eight products within each category to choose from. You know what I got in mind? Uber Lube, a Screaming O Bestie Bullet, the It's the Bomb Bullet Bath Bomb. It is so, oh, it's amazing. A really nice white rabbit and leather flogger, a black satin robe, a badass coloring book, 24 crayons. Ah, what's amazing is this box only costs $79. Some of the vibrators alone retail for $79. So, the entire box of six gifts is a steal. Another cool thing, a portion of all sales go to charities that focus on women's empowerment, education, and health. So hey, you can feel good about feeling good. And right now, Like a Kitten is offering American Sex Podcast listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com sunny or enter the code sunny at checkout. That's S-U-N-N-Y. Go to likeakitten.com slash sunny or use the code sunny to get 20% off these incredible boxes. Again, likeakitten.com slash sunny. And that link is in the episode description. And the very few things that do get censored 
in the podcasting space. Rather than being under like a blanket rule, it's the big impactful offenders, you know, that are are removed, penalized, whatever, on a very case-by-case situational basis. And it's usually for what amounts to safety reasons like COVID misinformation. We're currently in a public health crisis. People are dying. And uh, people who listen to misinformation could die. It could directly put people in danger. So this is an exception based on a very specific nuanced set of circumstances where it's warranted for somebody at the company or from the platform to step in or blatant hate speech, which is also very much a public safety concern. Now, I want to be clear, you know, did Rogan's repeated use of the N-word fall into that? Yes, Absolutely, without a doubt, egging other white people on, uh, daring them to say it, the planet of the apes comments, there's so much more. And every single bit of that is absolutely inexcusable. And sure, you know, he can give piss poor excuses all day long that, well, he didn't mean anything by it. He was just joking. He's a comedian, blah, 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 blah. But that's covert racism. You know, that, oh, it's just a joke, but really, I am the least racist person ever, blah, 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 blah. You know, that bullshit is a huge, huge problem. That's still racism, albeit covert racism. And the fact that he can't see how that is racism and how somebody can be racist, even when they didn't mean to do it on purpose, that concept that he's missing is at the center of what keeps systemic racism alive. And the fact that he can't see that and he's giving the message to people just like him that, well, there is nothing to be seen, that emboldens those who are covertly racist, overtly racist. That is hate speech. No ifs, ands, or buts. And platforms should be taking that kind of language down immediately, or, you know, any other blatant hate speech, covert or overt, by widely listened to influential people. Let's take Alex Jones, for instance, who platforms felt was tipping the scales into destruction, harm, and and they knew he had such influence that it really could have some disasterly, that's a word now, consequences. And these platforms no longer felt that it was ethical to give him a platform and he could cause real harm to real people if they continued. And cases like that need to be the exception rather than a blanket rule or we may slippery slope into that banned list from from the Wisconsin bill. You know, don't talk about systemic racism. Ah. Now, of course, I would love for there to be an across-the-board blanket way to make sure, for example, no white folks across all of podcasting are ever allowed to use the N-word, right? Whether it's overtly, covertly, etc. But the problem is we've seen that happen already on social media. They use AI, which is artificial intelligence, to scan content for banned words, etc., But AI doesn't understand nuance, doesn't understand circumstances, 
AI doesn't understand when it is or isn't okay to use that word and by whom. And also AI is notoriously biased and it's been conditioned to favor people who are white, cisgender, uh, conventionally attractive, etc. I've mentioned before on the podcast, read books like Algorithms of Oppression to find out how this works and how it really fucking sucks. So what would happen if that word was banned across all of podcasting, a blanket rule? Well, then Black podcasters who use that word and have every right to use that word will now start being dinged for hate speech, will have their shows taken down, will have their voices silenced, while those using it in a way that reinforces racism, white folks, uh, will most likely get away with it and their shows will stay up. So that means yeah, we have to trust platforms to take care of this on a case-by-case basis. You know, either way, it's like we can't win. There's no uh, great solution on either side. And A, we have to make sure that we can trust those platforms to do that, to step in and do the right thing. And Spotify only did that after their feet were held to the fire, which is a problem. And then B, That opens up the possibility that some of those infractions that were missed, you know, like the white dude who makes a homemade podcast in his mother's basement that three people regularly listen to, uh, he may never get on the platform's radar because he's a super small potato with no influence. And enough people would have to make a stink about that content and would have to alert the platform for something to happen about it. And with something like that, it's not guaranteed to happen. And another point is, we don't want it to become the norm that podcasting platforms transcribe all of the spoken words in podcasts to keep a searchable database of everything that we say. Now, I know there was talk a few years ago that that was the direction Google Podcasts was going to go in because they're Google, they're a search engine. So it would have allowed them to build an audio search engine, which in run respect for usability is cool. You know, as a consumer, if you want to find what podcasts use certain phrases at a certain time to find exactly what they were talking about, you could do that. Like, hey, uh, I want to find out when urethral sounding was mentioned and on what podcast. And it tells you, oh, yeah, American Sucks Podcast, episode 57 at 43 minutes and 22 seconds. They talk about it. I don't know if that's true. I just made it up. Anyway, But at the same time, although that would be cool to be able to search that data, um, it also makes it available for very easy restriction and censorship. Now, I have no idea if it's true about the Google thing or if it's still happening, if it's going to be rolled out. I heard this a few years ago, like in in very vague terms, and I haven't re-looked up the details. So don't quote me on anything on that. Don't use me for your research paper. Go do your own research on that to see if it's still happening. And then, hey, let me know. But if and when something like that happens, that all of our podcast episodes are transcribed, in my opinion, and a lot of others' opinions, that will be the end of the punk rock free market era of very minimally censored audio content podcasting. It'll be over. 
So it really is a double-edged sword. In one respect, we want to make sure people aren't saying these awful things. But in order to do that, we have to monitor so heavily and give so much control to these corporations that they can turn around and then use it against the very people that they were originally trying to protect. Because again, think about how corporations are run. Maybe they start out with all the best intentions in the world, but as they grow bigger and gain more power, they get tied in with different politicians and different corporations and have to rub different backs. Or maybe there's government regulations that get enacted. Look at the Earn It Act. And then before you know it, we're all fucked. Anyway, the point isn't so much to police people saying things and, you know, wag our finger and tell Spotify to take care of it. Yeah, podcasting is one of the last least censored mediums. And that is exactly what makes it so powerful. And because of that, we're gonna have some people that say some shit that we don't freaking like. But if we start censoring them, they start censoring us. And it's a slippery fucking slope. But we can collectively tell Spotify through our consumer actions that, We draw the line at you screwing us over, you know, by paying one person who is irresponsible and dangerous with their words and causing real danger to real human lives by paying them a hundred million dollars and by taking advantage of small artists and building what is essentially an audio monopoly right under our noses. You know, because that kind of power takes a lot of responsibility. And going by the horrible mishandling of this situation, Spotify, how can anyone trust that you'll handle even bigger, more impactful, hey, potentially democracy changing, you know, aka Facebook style, um, things ethically? And not only that, but the doubling down. You know, when Neil Young was like, hey, uh, you can't do that. And they were like, yeah, nah, okay, it's been a slice, Neil. See you later. Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. Uh, that was like spitting in all of our faces, saying that, of course, profits come before human lives. That was a huge red flag and a, a huge wake-up call. And it was a wake-up call that reminded us that we – the consumers and the people being exploited ultimately hold the power in this situation. Now, granted, at the time of me recording this and things are, you know, news is constantly updating. So who knows what it'll be on release day. Um, But at this point, they've taken down a little over 100 something uh, Rogan episodes. They've also committed to investing $100 million in supporting podcasting content from, you know, marginalized podcasters, which grumble, grumble, I have things to say about that. But you know, Uh, but again, you know, all of that didn't happen until their feet were held to the fire. If I believe when Neil Young first said like, hey, and and then they came back and said, okay, okay, you have a point, Neil. Unfortunately, we can't just get rid of Rogan for for whatever reasons. But hey, let's compromise. We'll go through the catalog. We'll remove X amount of episodes. We'll give them a good talking to. We'll change things moving forward. Whatever it is, if they would have immediately responded with that kind of uh, compassion, ethics, responsibility, I personally don't think it ever would have gotten this far. 
but it did give a lot of people a wake up call. Spotify told on themselves. It's like like the Scooby-Doo mask got yanked off of Spotify and we're all like, wait a minute, what are you doing? You're taking over everything? Are, are you going to be the next Facebook? Are you going to be the one that does democracy in? And I feel, at least in my life and from my point of view, had that not happened, I probably would not have taken a closer look at Spotify and really sat back and did that question everything. I would have just gone along with, yes, Spotify's cool, not really put two and two together. And I bet you a lot of other people wouldn't have either. And I mean, look at how many people have uh, deleted Spotify or quit their subscriptions. Their stock prices went down by a lot. I don't have the headline in front of me, but it was like millions. Was it billions? It was a lot. 25% something. I can't remember. Would that have happened? Probably not. But again, in my opinion, we have to be very careful that the backlash against Rogan doesn't turn into an argument for censorship. The argument is more like you're free to say whatever you want, but you're not free from the consequences, right? And although there are plenty of small podcasters out there that say things worse than Rogan, Rogan is the shining example of what this kind of predatory, exploitative capitalism can result in. And we need to not keep the focus on a single instance and about the practices of one corporation to be sure that this doesn't turn into an argument that's pro-censorship. Because that will eventually end up biting us all in the ass. It is a very delicate dance, and there are no easy answers here. Ultimately, the point of this isn't that there's a problem with Rogan, although there is. It isn't that there's a problem with Spotify, although there is. The point is there's a problem with the entire system, that this is the cultural impact that corporations endorse and platform. And they do it not because it's moving the culture forward in any positive way. They do it because it's making them money and they could give a shit if it causes harm or not. That's the problem. The positive or negative impact of that media doesn't matter one bit to companies like Spotify. And that's the problem. What matters most is profits over everything else at the expense of people's lives, at the expense of doing societal damage. And that's the problem. You know, that is what we're standing up against. Spotify and Rogan just happen to be this week's example of that. And the way I believe we should handle the situation models how we should handle healthy boundaries, right? You think about in a relationship, your boundary shouldn't be to control the other person. It's not like, oh, You can't do that. You can't talk to me that way. You can't treat me that way. I won't let you do that because you can't control other people. It's more, look, it's your choice to talk to me however you're going to want to talk to me. But my boundary is I won't tolerate that. So if you are going to continue to talk to me in that way, I need to disengage and go elsewhere and go in the other room, et cetera. And at that point, you can choose, you know, if you want to keep talking to me that way um, or if you want to stop and reconsider and, uh, you know, keep engaged. It's the same thing with Spotify. Like, if you're going to do that shit with Joe Rogan, that's fine, but then we're going to do what we're going to do, right? It shows these corporations that we're on to their game and we're not hip to it because 
these corporations, they are motivated solely by profits, and they make these profits by keeping their audience happy. And if we're all collectively not happy, and it doesn't turn out well for Spotify, that might deter the next company's uh, not so great move, or Spotify's next incarnation not to make those same mistakes, right, and piss off their target audience. It is a long game. We're playing the long game but it's one with a much better outcome. So yeah, controlling others with a, you can't do that and I'm going to stop you, aka censorship or you can't talk to me like that, really isn't good for anybody. We're playing the long game. We're changing the system. We're changing the way companies operate, what decisions they make, what is advantageous for them to spotlight and to exploit us for. We're also changing the culture, you know, not just uh, for companies, but even for single creators like Rogan. Hey, okay. What is the type of language and content that's going to piss up my audience and and what isn't? Because at the end of the day, the the influencers and the celebrities, like the podcast, big podcast hosts like Rogan or, you know, Kim Kardashian or whoever, they're also brands, right? They're not going to piss off their key demographic. And that behavior, that change in behavior trickles down and really does influence the culture. So this was a lot. This was a whole lot. I was going to make this like one segment in the intro. And I was like, I have too much to say. So it's his own show. Uh, Deviates a little bit from our normal fare, but actually not that much. It ties in pretty well. I felt though it is, this is super important to highlight. And this is a bigger picture thing that we don't normally think about or connect to our sexual freedom. And are listening, you know, to this, or you're listening to this podcast and us creating it. So even though we would love to pull our show from Spotify in a freaking heartbeat, we don't have the financial luxury or privilege to do that. But we do have something we're using what we have. What we have is a voice and a platform to talk about all this stuff and to do our part to change things on a bigger scale on a bigger scale than what we might just be able to do individually. And in my opinion, this conversation or monologue, and also the the conversations we've been having on social media and different places the last couple of weeks are a hell of a lot more valuable than if you just like went into your Spotify app one day to listen to American Sex Podcast and found it was gone. Hopefully, we can change the system together in a way that enables indie podcasts like American Sex or independent musicians to not need Spotify in the first place, to not have to financially rely on our own financial exploitation. And that trickles down to influencing the business practices of companies like Spotify. There is one way, however, that we do directly compromise our personal finances to stand up for what we believe is right and ethical and propels the world in a positive direction. It's this whole episode right here. You know, there's a lot of sex educators that tone down their politics and their personal beliefs because of followers who say, you know, I just want to know about sex. I just want to know about kink. I just want to know how to spank. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, not that social justice stuff that uh, has nothing to do with sex. And no, like Ken and I can't do that, even though when we're playing, having sex, whatever it is, you know, we're in the bedroom, we're in the dungeon. 
odds are we are not thinking about politics. That's the last thing we're thinking about. It kind of makes us like, you know, dry and shrivel up a little. Uh, We're just having some fun. But still, in the background, there's that silent human systems update. The personal still is political. Sex, kink, adult play, all of the, the human messiness that glues all of that together is absolutely about politics and these bigger systems. You know, I'm a queer, biracial Black woman. It is not possible in my world to separate all of that stuff from my sexuality and my identity. And that is the lens that I personally teach through. And I know that's why many of you are here. It's because of that. But hey, brand new American fucker, if you're new and you just stumbled into this episode and you're like, what is this crap? I'm so sorry. You must be lost. You know, uh, obviously, these aren't the sex ed conversations for you. There are others out there that might suit you better. So bye. It might keep our audience smaller than other sex educators who are are attempting to cater to everyone or to tone down these beliefs. And that definitely affects our growth and affects our income. But personally, we feel like we can't sell ourselves out like that. Like we are also cogs in the chain of exploitation and we get exploited and we also exploit like all of us do. But you know what? We're just not willing to exploit like that. Um, because then we'd be no better than Spotify, right? So as a little little thought exercise for y'all, a little bit different than our usual, but I would love to hear what y'all think. Talk to us on Twitter and, and Instagram and, and whatnot. Uh, send us an email. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, it's a lot. Like the world is complicated. It's full of systems within systems within systems within systems. It's all freaking connected. And then, you know, it connects to right down to the raunchy fucking we do in the bedroom. So until next time, American fuckers, uh, you know, we love you. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. What's that? You want more? Well, you can start by streaming our TV show on Showtime, Sex with Sunny Megatron. Then pop on over to SunnyMegatron.com. Everything's there. You can get updates on my new book, check out my sex ed and BDSM workshops, learn how to book me for your organization or for coaching. You know, we also want to hang out with you too, right? So come join our Discord community or follow along on TikTok or Instagram, Twitter, all the social media. I'm Sunny Megatron everywhere. And you can catch Ken on Twitter or tune in to his weekly D&D games on Twitch. If you want to support the show, a great way to do that is simply to tell people about it. Make a TikTok or tweet about your favorite part of this episode. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review too. And if you're a ride or die American fucker, you're going to want to join our Patreon community. We'll send you official American fucker stickers and you'll get a lot more too at patreon.com slash American sex. Now, just in case you happen to be one of the few that still has disposable income in this late stage capitalist hellscape. Well, when you're shopping for a new sex toy, BDSM gear, kink Academy membership, or other things, please patronize our sponsors and affiliates you'll get a discount and it helps us too win-win all those links and codes are in our show notes thanks american fuckers we appreciate the heck out of you see you next time